0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How are you doing, buddy boy? Be What's
0: better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. We are your hosts here on this Wednesday, Hump Day edition of the podcast. Today we are going to dedicate our entire show to digging into Kyle Krabs' big board that just released on thedraftnetwork.com. He put out his preseason top 50. We've got some questions to dig into, some names that stood out, and I'm excited to dig into this with Mr. Krabs. Kyle, welcome to the show. Are you ready to talk about your rankings?
1: Uh, no, I'm tired of being put under the gun here. You know, we do these mock draft shows where you get to grill me on my picks, and then I get to grow you on your picks. And now it's my big board time, and you get to grill me on this. And oh, we're gonna have to find a time to put you under the heat too, Joe, because uh, it's a little warm today in my seat. I feel like I'm in the hot seat here because uh, each one of these sets of of big boards and top fifties, this is a big piece of content. This is something that uh, a lot of viewers really value, and you know we're 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 just gonna have to buckle down and, and hope we can weather the storm here on the show. You love it, Kyle. I know you do. <laughs> this, this is what we do, man. This is our bread and butter. What's
0: unique for me and mine's due on Saturday. Uh, what's unique for me is I've never done rankings this early in, in the process. You know, we've yeah, always been, it. we've always been very, you know, like we, you get our draft guide, that's the rankings and that's it. It's a one-time thing. We put the prospect through the entire evaluation and this is the grades. And so here we are with an entire season to play. We have no workout numbers. We have no confirmed measurements. We have, you know, there's so much data, so much information yet to come, but here we are putting, rankings together and it's going to make it even better come january come february march where we're putting our final scouting reports together to have such a strong foundation on this class on these players to really understand how they've improved how the, the weaknesses have carried and how concerning that is if we're talking about stuff that can be corrected or if they're tragic flaws so i i, I personally uh, have enjoyed not putting out rankings but i am definitely seeing the value in something that i'm embracing so let's do this, Kyle. Let's, let's go ahead. I got your top 50 right in front of me here. So I want to work through uh, some of the names that really popped for me that maybe people are reading through the top 50 and seeing uh, some things that maybe they didn't expect. And then I have some questions uh, to ask uh, specifically maybe about some themes uh, and some, some trends that uh, you may have discovered upon making your top 50. So, Kyle, I want to start at number five, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, defensive okay. tackle, Mississippi State.
1: It might be a name most people don't know, but he's top five on your board. What's up with Simmons? Yeah, Simmons, uh, he and Rayquan Davis, man, like flip a coin, really, as far as their perception. And this is something that John Ledyard actually dogged me on a little bit, because when we did the preseason all-draft eligible, spoiler alert, here's a part of my ballot, I had Jeffrey Simmons as first team, and Rayquan Davis was second team for the interior defensive linemen. Well, John gets my position rankings and John gets my big board and I've got Raekwon Davis at four, spoiler alert, and Jeffrey Simmons at five. And John says, whoa, hold on, dude. You had Simmons higher in the all draft eligible team and Davis is higher on the position ranks in the big board. So what gives? I would say this about Jeffrey Simmons. This is a five star prospect who has lived up to the hype in Mississippi State. Uh, The reason why I had Simmons higher than Davis on the all-draft eligible team was because I think right now he's a better football player. I think he's more polished as a pass rusher than Raquan Davis is. Uh, He is a very, very solid like 305. Uh, This is not a guy that carries a lot of extra mass on his frame. This guy looks like an Adonis. He's built extremely well. First off the bus kind of guy. And he's powerful with his lower half, he's powerful with his hands, he shows good length to sustain separation from offensive linemen, and he has multiple pass rush counters. So I think his overall package right now is clearly defined. Uh, I think he's a plug-and-play starter at the next level, and I think he's right now August 2018, a better football player than Raquan Davis is, although I would expect if Raquan continues to progress and we see him reach his ceiling, Raquan has a higher ceiling. Yeah, I love Simmons a lot, and uh, I mocked him early to the Bucks
0: in my mock draft that dropped on Monday. How dare you, sir? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I, I Of all the fan bases that came at me, freaking Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's what you get for suggesting the, the Bucks could move on from Gerald McCoy. After the season. If you want my reasoning for that, check out that mock draft on the draftnetwork.com. Kyle, I want to slide slide down here to number fifty. You've got Northwestern linebacker Patty Fisher at number fifteen. And so for some context on why this pops for me, I went back to uh, 2012. And so what is that? The last five drafts that we've had. And here's yes. the entire list. Of the linebackers. I know where you're going here. It's a short
1: list. <laughs> the, here's the
0: entire list of all, true off-ball linebackers drafted in the top 15. Roquan Smith, Tremaine Edmonds was 16, so he doesn't count. Roquan Smith, Hassan Reddick, Anthony Barr, Luke Keekley. That's it, going back to 2012. And obviously, linebacker position is changing a ton in today's NFL. So talk about Fisher, how he fits, and why he's valued so high.
1: Yeah, Fisher might not be an elite athlete. I know that's kind of the apprehension that John Ledyard has with having him you know, kind of in this space as well. Uh, doesn't think he's necessarily uh, loose enough and explosive enough and rangy enough, but Patty's got great range. Uh, he's an incredibly instinctive player for a redshirt freshman, that, which is what he was last year. So he's entering his second year of eligibility. Um, I'm sorry, his third year of eligibility, his second year as a letterman, and his second year as a starter for Northwestern. He was the best defensive player on Northwestern last year. He was the best player on the football field when Wisconsin played Northwestern. Let that sink in.
2: Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling Grundle Bliss... To your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nuts. Let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The perfect package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs, will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com.
1: I mean, just a really, really exciting player with the length and the physicality. And he has a lot of the same kind of traits and values that made Leighton Van Der Esch uh, a first-round pick and an exciting player. And uh, Van Der Esch obviously did not make the top 15 cutoff, but he wasn't far off either. No. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of where I see Patty Fisher right now is kind of in that same tier. He's not as necessarily as explosive, but uh, he's more instinctive and was a redshirt freshman. And uh, that instinctive quality shows up when he's attacking the line of scrimmage and his ability to play off of contact and extend his hands. And he's comfortable in all those little areas of the game that Van just left you wanting more, left you wanting him to see the guard block down and fill the gap. Wanted to see him punch and extend his hands on the numbers of an offensive lineman, and pop and extend and bench press him off, and then go find the football. Didn't do that with consistency. Patty Fisher did that against Wisconsin last year as a redshirt freshman. And then you watch him in pass coverage, and I really, really appreciated his eye discipline and peripheral vision, uh, ability to pick things up as they're happening and routes as they're developing and not getting suckered with things flashing across his face and vacating his zone coverage. He's not a turn-and-run man linebacker, but if you're playing zone in the middle of the field, Patty Fisher's very big, he's loose enough, and he's got enough range in zone coverage that he can take care of all those qualities for you. All right, so we had Jeffrey Simmons at 5, Patty
0: Fisher at 15. Two names maybe a lot of people weren't super familiar with going into the season. There's a name that I want to get into next that I know everybody knows, and that's Rashawn Gary, Michigan defensive lineman, your number 20 player. Maybe some people are surprised that he's not in the top 10 or top five, where I think some of the other resources out there may indicate he's you know that highly regarded of a player because you know, he was a number one player coming out of high school and those things. And so he's, he's been in your face as uh, this elite talent. So Kyle, twenty number, all, o- tw- number 20 overall, Rashawn Gary, uh, why is he there and
1: why isn't he higher? Yeah, he's kind of, uh, to make a, a non-parallel comparison to another Michigan player, uh, right now, where he's at is kind of where we saw Jabril Peppers at. Before Jabril Peppers' final year at Michigan, where you know, you're talked about as a consensus top 10, top 15 pick. And um, you're more athlete than football player, to a certain degree. And listen, like Rayshon can be so good uh, for his size. His motor and his athleticism are tremendous. Uh, he's kind of caught in between playing end and tackle right now. I think if he wants to play on the outside, his hands needs to get much, much better with much more consistency with the placement, the extension, the secondary plans, and the execution of those secondary counters. All those things need to get better if Gary's going to consistently play on the edge. Because right now, I mean, he will fly down if you leave him unaccounted for, and he'll chase things down off the back end. He can play with some power and collapse guys with his hands with a bull rush. He can duck inside of you. And he can try and rip and dip, but he doesn't bend especially well off the edge with his hips. So, Ray Sean, I think he's better inside. I have him listed as defensive line. If you include edge and interior defensive lineman, he's my seventh rated defensive lineman. And he's 20 on the board. I think that speaks a lot of the value that is potentially there in this defensive line group this year. So Rayshawn, for me, enticing, exciting football player. But depending on where you're going to ask him to play, he needs to get better at the technical side of the game. And for that reason, he's only, quote-unquote, only at 20 on the board.
0: Yeah, that doesn't mean Kyle doesn't like Rashawn Gary. He's friggin' number 20. All right, so Kyle, we've talked a lot about the cornerbacks in this class, and I know that you're pretty high on this cornerback class. We've talked about, you know, Levante Taylor, and we've talked about Greedy Williams, and we've talked about DeAndre Baker, a lot of the big names that people know. The name that you and I haven't really discussed is Julian Love, and I'm glad that I have a few more days here to get my top 50 done because he's a player I need to see. You've got him at number 39 overall here, so uh, tell me what I need to know about Julian Love, cornerback from Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, I, I really like his patience in off coverage. You know, we, we talk a, a lot about a lot of the corners in this group, whether it's Lavert Hill or Amani Ori warrior or, or um, these these guys, Michael Jackson being another guy, that, that they're really, really good at the line of scrimmage. When they use their length to their advantage is when they're at their best and they get in the guy's hip pocket early. I really admire Julian Love. I thought his best qualities showcased when he was Off the line of scrimmage, he's a little impatient in press coverage, Uh, gives up a lot of free releases because he's early to throw his hands or he's quick to hinge his hips. But you get him in off coverage and he forces receivers to declare their break before he gets hip to hip and he has really good short area quickness and he can mirror that break with great effectiveness. And once he gets into your body, he's almost to the point where he's too physical. So, this is a guy that needs to clean up his technique and press coverage. But I see the physicality that he brings down the field. I get really excited about that potential if you can harness that into press technique. And uh, I, I just really thought that the anticipation that he showed, some of his willingness to jump on routes when they were in front of his face were exciting qualities. And he's pretty well slapped together at 5'11", 193. So from a sturdiness perspective, like this is a really well put together football player who has some qualities that, you know, are unique from some of the other corners in the class. And I think that gives him an attractive appeal. Uh, But yeah, he is going to, need to clean up some of the technical stuff, especially if you're going to play with the line of scrimmage. Kyle, last player I want to ask specifically
0: about on your board here is Drew Locke, quarterback, Missouri. He's at number 45. And uh, it's, it's interesting here, the quarterback class going into the year, it's not like last year where we had this handful of first-round caliber prospects that we just you know, knew they were going to be first-round guys. And so right. you know there's, there's kind of three guys at the top of the list this year, and Brian Lorkey from Michigan State. Drew Locke from Missouri, Justin Herbert from Oregon, that are on people's radars as potential R1 guys. But you have Locke at 45, and to me, that's friggin' no man's land for a quarterback prospect because you're either taken high or you're probably a backup, right? That's kind of what we see for quarterbacks uh, and how things unfold. So what's going on with Locke? Can he rise? And uh, what's pushing him down for you?
1: Sure. I mean, when, when we put together our boards traditionally, Joe, it's very straightforward, right? There's a numerical output and you hit sort and it gives you the output and the ranking that you're you know, using as the, the composite score for all these players. With where we are now, this is more of a list them and stack them, right? And this is how like before you did numerical scouting, this was yeah. the way you did it. Or if, if people don't have a system that they adhere to and you just watch the players and write their notes and then list them like. This can get a little chaotic because you have so much information. You almost have to just throw the first name on the board and then put these guys up here and say, okay, would I rather have X or Y? If you'd rather have X, you put it above the name on the board. You'd rather have Y, you put it below the name on the board. And you get the next one. You'd rather say, would I rather have X or Y? Or would I rather have X or Z? And that's how you slot your board. So when I think about Drew Locke, Drew Locke for me is a tier two player along with Justin Herbert. I have Brian Lewerke right now as the guy that I'm really in on. I really think he's he's primed for a big season. I think he's going to perform to the expectations that I have. I see starter qualities, but I have apprehensions with both Justin Herbert and Drew Locke. Um, my apprehensions with both of them is kind of centered around the mental components of the game. I think physically both these guys meet every requirement that you could possibly want in a franchise quarterback. Uh, I think Locke has a super live arm, but I thought the biggest thing with Locke, aside of the fact that he's coming from a spread offense, is his eyes tell a lot of stories on a play-by-play basis. And What I mean by that is his eyes tell defenders where the football is going to go with too much consistency. I guess you could almost say he locks onto (laughs) his reads, Joe, and that's an area of concern for me, a big area concern for me because it's okay. It's not there. Move on. And it doesn't use the full field of play with the rapidness and confidence that I would really prefer to see in a quarterback. So for both Justin Herbert and Drew Locke, they were in tier two. So the way I listed the board was I had all my tier one guys that I designated and I listed those guys. Would you rather have X or Y? This
0: is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories.
1: And I used all the tier one players and that put me to 24. So 25 and down was okay. Would you rather have X and Y of tier two players? And there are some tier two players that did not make the top 50. Um, but with that said, it was really just a matter of, okay, would you rather have Debo Samuel or Drew Lock? Well, I'd rather have Debo Samuel. So Debo gets the higher spot on the board. Would I rather have Drew Lock? Or Kendall Joseph, well, I'd rather have Drew Locke. So Drew Locke's higher. So that's kind of how I slotted it was the method behind the madness. So yeah, 45, you're right. For a quarterback prospect that's potentially round one, it's an awkward space. But with the way I had to sort through this information, it it just so happened that you know there, there are players in this tier that I would rather have above Drew Locke. So I'm not factoring in for positional importance.
0: Yeah. And so that, you know, those questions are going to be answered very differently. If you look at it on a team by team basis, do you yeah. have a quarterback? No. Drew Locke's going to skyrocket up that board, right? He's automatically tier one. There you go. <laughs> uh, for, for Kyle Krabs, who's just thinking prospect after prospect, we'll keep pushing locked down. Uh, and I, I totally get that. All right. So let's uh, get away from just the specific player component of this discussion. I have some superlative type questions for you, Kyle. I know that uh, this is a board of 50 players, but I know you watched well over 100, I'm sure, maybe even 200, players to to get to this list. Who's the hardest guy to leave off? Maybe you have one or two that you're like, man, I wanted them in this top 50, but just couldn't fit them in.
1: Yeah. A um, couple names. Taylor Rapp was one. Tuff Borland from Ohio State was another. Those were both guys we talked about on yesterday's show with positional rankings. If I get down into Tier 3, Bryce Love was a tough one to leave off because I love Bryce's game. Bryce is super fun to watch. But um, uh, he's got some questions to answer this year. And if he's able to stay fully healthy and uh, if he's able to alleviate some of the size concerns and durability concerns that are there with him, then maybe this gets him into the conversation where he's push, pushing Justice Hill, who's my RB4, and the last in the Tier 2 backs right now. Uh, Justice Hill finished 47th on the board. So uh, if Bryce is able to alleviate some of those concerns and have another equally strong season and, and show a little bit more uh, confidence hitting holes when, when the first, first gap's not necessarily available, you know, I thought he was inconsistent with that last year, and he had some home runs with that, but he also had some stinkers with that last year. So if he addresses those things, you know, maybe Bryce Love pushes his way up here. But that was a hard one to leave off already because you love that style of play. You love that home run hitting approach. You and love the time guy them. rushes for, for 2,000 yards. Like, yeah, absolutely. You're going you're gonna to love watching that tape because that's fun. Kyle, you missed a punt opportunity there? I'm a little mad. What a because I, uh, cause I yeah. you love you, you love, love, love love yeah you did the lock lock love, thing, love.
0: all right don't let that happen again all right so all let's right. move on to my next question here Um, and I'm I I think I would be willing to allow you to extend this to maybe some players that aren't on this top fifty but is there a player on this top fifty or one that maybe people are surprised to see not on the top fifty that you know you maybe had an expectation going into the watch thinking you were going to see a really a high quality prospect. And they just, they missed the mark and and, and they're not the player they were billed to be. I wrote an article today, or excuse me, well, yeah, today we're recording this on Tuesday night. So uh, I wrote about five overrated or five prospects in the ACC that have the most to prove in 2018. So kind of that same theme here. Are there a player or two that come to mind. that have a lot to prove that just didn't meet the expectation you had going into the watch.
1: Yeah, I think Devin Bush, the linebacker from Michigan, is one. Uh, pretty consistently talked about as a top linebacker prospect, but he's he's tiny, and that that size really shows up in a crowd. Uh, he gets stuck to blocks pretty easily, and he's not able to pull off of those blocks very well. So uh, Devin Bush for me was the top of a tier three, the tier three guys for the linebacking group, uh, but I came in with a certain expectation of you know the level of, productivity and the, the abilities of Blitzer and you know the production that he's brought. Um, I was expecting a, a player that would score much more favorably in my film watches of his games, made some false reads, got suckered by backfield action. So he's got some stuff to clean up. He's certainly an exciting athlete. But Devin Bush for me is nowhere near the conversation for the top five linebackers in the country. Uh, he's not even one of the, the two best linebackers in the Big Ten Conference for me. Uh, that honor goes to Patty Fisher and Tuff Borland from Ohio State. So that was one that, that disappointed me when I watched his film. I'm
0: anxious to hear your answer on my next question here, Kyle, because one thing I can tell by reading through your big board here is that you did factor in upside a ton, right? You've got, you've got four players in your top twenty. In Tyler Beattis, center from Wisconsin. Uh, you've got Patty Fisher. We've already talked about him. You've got Deontay Thompson, safety from Alabama. Mack Wilson, linebacker from Alabama. Even Levante Taylor, cornerback from Florida State. Guys with really just maybe one year of starting, uh, starting experience, maybe even less for some of those guys. So when you think about your, your board here, and, I, and again, keeping in mind that I think you've already factored this in, who, who is a player or two that has the best chance to really rise throughout the process based on some upside that you've seen and, and maybe an opportunity that's going to lend itself to a lot of production this year?
1: Yeah, well, I think Drew Locke is one, right? We're talking about players on the board and rising up, and Drew Locke, you know, if he comes out and he kills it and it, it, the, the internal clock's moving in at a much faster rate, he can push himself up. Debo Samuel's another one for me. I love what I saw from Debo, but it's like the dude played, what, three and a half games last year? Mm-hmm. And missed time in each of his first two seasons. Mm -hmm. So I've got big apprehensions about Debo from a a durability standpoint that, you know, if he could check those boxes, there's some really sweet stuff on tape that really gets you excited. Um, I think Dawson Knox from Ole Miss is another one. Mm -hmm. I'm 35. I'm sure John will have him higher than that. John's been beating that drum for several weeks now. It's just a question of touches, right? Like they've got – uh, DeMarcus Lodge, and A.J. Brown, and D.K. Metcalf, and that's just at wide receiver. And then you factor in Dawson Knox, who, like, realistically, we you can't count on a whole lot of targets for him, but he's a great athlete. And uh, if he, he shows that athleticism and takes advantage of some one-on-one opportunities and makes some big plays, then I think that's another one, you know, all guys outside the top 32 that I could certainly see pushing their way up into that group.
0: Let's go, let's go with the uh, – to close here, the exact opposite of that question. Who's a player that you have ranked that you feel like they could be in danger of sliding down? You know, they're just – maybe the opportunity is going to be different this year or they have some traits that are pretty questionable and you just, you just didn't feel overly comfortable about where they are and uh, could be a, a follower. And I hate to, I hate to end on the negative note like that, but that's what we're going to do.
1: Sure. Well, i got a couple that come to mind. Trey Adams is one offensive tackle from Washington. Uh, coming off an injury last year, so obviously we need to find out medically where he's at. You know, physically, how well do you perform? You know, this is a big guy. This guy's like six eight, and uh, had a knee injury last year, and it's a lot of mass to be moving around and drive catch with your pass sets, and a lot of stress on the lower body. So we need to just make sure that Trey Adams, who's twenty seven on my my board, uh, entering the season, uh, is medically right. The other one that stands out to me, and this hurts to say, is Brian Lorkey from Michigan State. He's my QB1. But you know what? If he comes out and he's stale and he doesn't show any progression from where he was in 2017, uh, he's certainly not a top 15 player, which is where I have him rated right now. I'm, I'm slotting him there based on his tools, based on the mental side of his game that I really like, and based on the expectation that with 10 starters back from Michigan State on offense, he is going to have a very, very strong season because the infrastructure around him is solid. It's all consistent. I'm expecting that growth. And not all growth is linear. But you know, if he regresses as a football player, if he's stagnant as a football player, that's going to disappoint me. And I will not be able to justify him inside my top 15.
0: I got one more. Can I sneak one more in, Kyle? Yeah, please do. All
1: right, so- No negativity to <laughs>
0: One thing I always like
1: to uh, think about is the strength of
0: the top of the draft. And, you know, I started with number five, Jeffrey Simmons, and kind of moved to 15. So we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about specifically the top 10 guys. But I think about teams, you know, next spring that are going to be picking in the top 10. And you want to feel like if you're picking in the top 10 that you're going to get, you know, an elite value, a a player that is going to potentially alter your franchise. So when you look at this list going into the season, how deep is that list? Like where, where is that line where that you draw that said, hey, I need to get one of these first five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, however many it is to really truly get one of the premier talents in this class as you see it right now?
1: Sure. Well, obviously everything depends on the quarterback slotting, right? But if you're picking in the top five and you don't have a top two pick, you're nervous. Mm-hmm. Because you got Nick Bosa and Ed Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is not a bad consolation prize by any means. Neither is Jeffrey Simmons or Raquan Davis. If you need a guy in the secondary, Greedy Williams, you can feel pretty good about him. I think the questions really stop after six with Greedy Williams. You got Bosa, Oliver, Farrell, Davis, Simmons, and Williams. I think those six guys you can come into if you're a top six pick, you're gonna say, okay, at least we're going to come away with one of these guys. DK Metcalf at number seven. Um... A whole lot of physical upside has not met that with production on the field yet. So there are some questions there. Uh, you think about some of the other guys, Noah fan, is he just a flex receiver Is our offense, the kind of offense that can maximize that kind of value as a football player, Rodney Anderson, he's a running back. Okay. You know, where, where, where does running back fall in our list of needs? You know, is that a luxury pick and can we afford to take that? You know, even if he has excellent production, which I expect he will Jonah Williams, doesn't have ideal length. So I guarantee you there's going to be some conversations on whether or not this is a guard or a tackle. So if I'm looking through the list, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, 10, 11, all of these guys you start to have some apprehension with, or at least a little bit of doubt. But one through six, I feel like are really, really foundational solid football players.
0: A follow up thought on that, Kyle. Um, and maybe some people will disagree with me, but I'm with you. Bosa Oliver best two players in this draft, I don't think it's very close. And you think about the teams right now that we're talking about as picking one and two, Arizona, Buffalo, the Jets. Uh, those are the teams, right, that really pop and come to mind. Um, and you you slot them and you think they love to get help on offense for those young quarterbacks that they have, build the offensive line, get a weapon. But how do you not slot them both Sir Oliver? You know, and I think that's it's something that I ran into with some of the feedback from my mock draft on Monday. It's like, well, Ed Oliver is not going to help Josh Allen or Nick Bosa is not going to help Josh Rosen. But it's one of those situations where those are the best players in the draft, in my opinion. Like you said there, it's, it, that's, those are the elite talents, and we have this discrepancy between what those teams really need and passing away on the elite talents. To me, you're making a big mistake. If Buffalo is picking number one overall and they don't pick Bosa or Oliver, and they took Jonah Williams just to take an offensive player. That's a mistake. But that's a debate for another time. But I think it's an early conversation to consider when, when talking about the themes that are developing already in our discussions about the 2019 draft.
1: Yeah. How many, how many rounds are in the, in the draft? Yeah, seven. Oh, seven. So nobody picks once and that's it. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to clarify that like, if you make a pick in the first round, like it's not your only pick. Yeah, that's it. It's your only chance to help your team. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well, now that we've had this massive revelation here on the show, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I'd like to thank you guys for listening to the Draft Dudes podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and follow along with us. Uh, if you have been enjoying the show, please let us know. Leave us a five star review. Those are our favorite kinds of reviews. Uh, you can do so on iTunes, and uh, make sure you hit our social media accounts. Ben Solak just did a great instagram live session on the draft network's instagram account uh that handle is the draft network uh 45 minutes of us all heckling and cat calling ben in the comment section was a total blast so make sure you check that out when you have the opportunity uh hit us on social media too uh, joe is at the joe marino i'm at grinding the tape and we would love to hear about you guys and, and what your thoughts are on the big board and who you think Joe will have higher up on his than mine and so on and so forth. And we really like to play on that uh, competition between the two of us, if you will. You know, this is uh, it's always fun to compare and contrast. And Joe and I have a, a working relationship in which we feel comfortable giving each other some grief. And, and we think that makes our dynamic pretty fun. And we'd encourage you guys to stick along with us for that ride.
0: Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente El doctor ya te puede ver Verá que aunque eres muy activo Ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida Verá que pones a tu familia primero Y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar Y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto Igual que tu papá En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente. Para todo lo que tú eres.